podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Misery Hunters as we close in on Christmas. This week you've got me as normal, you've got Sam as normal and instead of any of those other losers that sometimes show up, we've got someone actually interesting with something worth talking about. Joining us is Gail Brannigan from the Charitable Foundation. How's it going? Hi, how are you guys? Thanks for inviting me along. You might hear random squeaks in the background. I just gave my, my dogs toys to distract them. But now it's distracting me with a random squeak, so that's what it is, in case you're wondering. Okay, anything they contribute on that front is going to be better than what we get out of Jamie, <laughs> Ross, Craig or Andrew. Or so. me, usually, so hi. <laughs> so that's all good. So, um, as mentioned, we're, as we're recording this, we're four days out from from Christmas. It's a, a busy time of year for, for most of us, but I'm guessing none of our diaries probably look quite as busy as as yours do just now. I'm guessing it's, it's kind of non-stop with stuff over the festive period for yourself. It is. I mean, obviously, our normal programme schedule for weekly delivery is very, very involved. Just at any time of the year, because we deliver over 20 community programmes now. But at the festive period, really from like the beginning of December with the initiatives that we do, like the 12 Days of Christmas auction, which you guys and all the fans were so supportive of, to the Football Memories Christmas Party, to then Festive Friends, which we've got coming up on Christmas Day, and then Festive Buddies Tea Party, there is a lot happening and we may be first fitting on New Year's Day with a special group. So, yeah, it's a hectic time. There's a lot of things to to plan and organise and manoeuvre. Um, but I have to say it's an, it's an absolute joy to be a part of. It's a very special time of year and it really reminds us all of how fortunate we are to live in such a brilliant community where people are so generous um, and I think you find that with disadvantaged communities, they always give extra, don't they? Whether it's what they can financially, and that's hard for most people just now, I find more so with us, it's their time. They always give their time. Myself and, and Sam have done um, match commentary fairly recently last weekend and for a couple of the ones beforehand. And it feels like every time we've gone into the club over the last few weeks, there's been bags stacked high in the, yeah. in the reception of, of people dropping off donations of you know kind of warm clothing or I think was there was a Christmas presents and, and kind of packages and, yeah and selection kind of boxes and, and things for home yeah. start as well there's been there's been so many and and also the fans that were great for those initiatives which the club are running but they were also great for one of our partners star when they they really were struggling with their food items for their pantry so they were very kind at the bucket collection at the weekend so it doesn't go unnoticed and and of course we're very grateful I think that's testament to the kind of mentality our fans have where they always want to really support any of the community initiative, whatever social theme they're under. We see that time after time. I suppose that's one of the key aspects of, of fan ownership that you would you would hope come through, that people do feel that connected to, to the club and the club's, it's not just football on a Saturday, it's kind of part of, of everything the town's trying to do well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously there have been a lot of changes in the club and the atmosphere just now is brilliant uh, it, it's kind of different for me because being with the foundation whether the team's performing well whether the either team's performing well or not we don't really feel that because our programs run throughout the year and we don't work to the season and and there's always work to be done 
but it's just lovely to be a part of just now. And I think you can really see that the performance Paisley and the people, the three key objectives of the strategy that's come out, it's it's definitely working. It's definitely having an impact. Um, I, I feel that and I'm there every day. If people if people might think, I wonder where Gail's based. I'm based at the stadium. Um, where the foundation's based, it's there. So I'm there every day. So I see it, I get to feel it. And yeah, it's definitely a great atmosphere just now. So just how long is it you've been involved in that now? For Gail, is that, was it 2018 you started at the foundation? Yeah, so you guys will know the same as everyone else. Every football club has a charity. Like most of the clubs in the SPFL and then all the grassroots clubs, there's over 100 football charities in Scotland. Um, and they all do invaluable work in the communities and they really bridge the gap, work closely with other third sector organisations. But but for whatever reason it's submitting, the structure had been set up, but then nothing had happened with it. And I had been the chief exec of another organisation and Tony and Gordon had got in touch and said, look, we're very aware that that being a club that really prides itself and being heavily involved in the community, we don't have a charity that's delivering any programmes and would you be interested in getting involved? And of course, I said yes, because I'm from Seat Hill. Um, I understand the challenges of the communities. I've done a lot of work. I've always worked in Paisley um, in various different roles and I'm very passionate about the town. So... Yeah, and it was very different. It was exciting for me. And the fact that Tony and Gordon had contacted me about it, I actually started my career out at Love Street. Not many people know that. Um, but I actually started out at Love Street and Tony was the manager of the team then, but in a very different role. I used to train the players. I was an athlete at the time and I used to train all the players. So I've always had a great affinity for St Mirren. Um, and although I went on to do very different things, and it was lovely to come back and be involved with the club again, especially in this role which is very rewarding. I'm sure there will be people listening who are hearing, you know, broached for your job by Tony Fitzpatrick. You've got an office at the stadium. You used to get to to work with the players at Love Street. There's an element of dream job about that for quite a lot of people, <laughs> I would have thought. It, it is. And I think the great thing about it is, like, we deliver programmes across key objectives. So physical health, mental health and wellbeing, employability, education, poverty, et cetera, et cetera. That means that we've got free reign to support everyone. Like from the very, very young, from little kids to the very old, I think our, our oldest service user at the moment is 103. Oh, wow. um, and it's an absolute pleasure. There's never a dull moment and every day is different and every programme we deliver is different. And we get to see the massive impact that these programmes make on everyone's lives. So it really is a dream job. Um, I hope my team feel like that. I think I'm a bit of a hard taskmaster and I'm sure they've got brilliant nicknames for me behind my back, but they're doing a great job and I think they've achieved a huge amount in a very short period of time because we are the fledgling football charity. We're one of the youngest ones. And in a very short period of time from 2018 till now, bearing in mind we had those two years of the pandemic, um, a massive amount of great work has been achieved and we're growing exorbitantly just now and in a very exciting period with not just the festive initiatives but obviously with the people's projects win for fit and fed with menopause goals which is our own program which is going to blow up and we're going to try to deliver that nationally we're trying to secure government funding for that just now with the extra time partnership with back to schools these are all programs we're very passionate about and we want to make sure that we deliver to a consistently high standard so that we can realistically prove the monitoring evaluation, those outcomes, and then secure long-term government funding. 
the just with your saying, you know, that kind of how you've built from twenty eighteen. I think going back in my own memory, that the the most the first kind of most visible thing that I can remember would be, you know, the, the stuff during the pandemic. You know, with, yeah. with Jim Goodwin out on the doorstep, handing over, you know, boxes of shopping and and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like that must have. It's, it, it must have been a very difficult time to try and negotiate and to, to find out, you know, kind of what the, the foundation could do at that time. But that must have felt so rewarding to, to be able to get out and do that and to get the buy-in out of team manager and, and the community on, on that as well. I'm very proud of that period. Obviously, it was a time of massive change for everyone globally. God, not just locally, but globally. And and I think when we went into lockdown, because it felt like, oh, this has happened very suddenly, all of a sudden, over the period of a few days, we had changed all of our programmes online. We had made the decision early on, we're not going to stop delivery, it's not possible. And people will need the support now more than ever. And we put a kind of call out to partners to see, because there's brilliant organisations around Fisher, as you know, in the third sector and do great work. So I put a little call out to see this is what we would like to get involved with. And I'm quite confident that we could secure food partners um, who can help. And what are you all doing and how can we all work together collaboratively? And so we started working very closely with Star Project, who, as I mentioned, are our partner with the Main Shed and other initiatives. And really, we just it, it just started immediately and like went from the Friday where we'd been doing normal work to the Monday where literally we were constantly out collecting food, securing food, dropping off food to Star, then delivering food. And I'm... I really feel I'll always have a great fondness for Jim Goodwin because of that. Because honestly, I don't remember any other premiership manager doing what he did during that period. I don't I don't remember seeing it. And he never complained. Like every Thursday was his day off and every Thursday he was out with us and he didn't leave. And that was delivering the food, delivering the hygiene items and delivering whatever. We, we'd had the phone calls in through Star's crisis line but also he was making wishes at that time, which we didn't really publicise. But we would be contacted from a lot of people who were really struggling mentally or physically with their health and be given very serious diagnoses with their health, but because of the pandemic, weren't getting the treatment that they needed. And that was ab absolutely understandably affecting their mental health. And so they would ask if, we, if there was anything we could do to cheer people up. So we were also at that time going and knocking on doors and visiting people. So Jim was doing that and some of the players were doing that and we were visiting special people in the community and just making their wishes and trying to make life a little bit better. And we did that for a very long period of time. It wasn't just a few months. It was the best part of nine months. Um, and then the work continued over that next year and a half. And that time in the pandemic, it was invaluable because although we literally just started getting to go to people's houses and seeing how they're really living. And sometimes you were the only face that person had saw or spoken to was very special. Um, it was obviously a very hard time for people. It was a very emotional time for people. And I remember being really impacted by certain things. I still remember the day that I went to the care home uh, and they had had so many of their um, service users pass away. And it was a very, very hard day. Uh, and I, But most of it, I honestly won't forget. I won't forget the work that started with us, I won't forget the conversations I had with people distanced from them and how grateful they were for the contact and the help. Won't forget the work that my team put in and how they transformed everything. Um, it was a very challenging time, but it was a time where we really had to adapt and think on our feet. And that set us in really great stead 
Um, and also it made us think a different way about what we did at Christmas time. And that's why we haven't changed the format for Festive Friends. That's why we still go to homes rather than bringing people to the stadium on Christmas Day. So that we're actually seeing how they're really, really living because then we can have a greater impact. Uh, it, it sounds as if obviously the, nothing nothing good came of the pandemic for, for everyone. It was obviously it was a horrible time, but I think it really kind of brought awareness to what you guys are all about and like, the good work that you can, like, you can really do as well. Because I think... To be honest, like before that, it wasn't really the charitable foundation wasn't really something that most fans were aware of. And I think that really at that time it really allowed you guys to kind of highlight the good work that you were you were capable of doing. It did, and and obviously when we're delivering the food items. That was one thing, but I really have very strong memories, and I was actually looking through the photographs recently of when we delivered the buddy boxes. So that would have been like in the summer, so just like maybe two three months after everything happened, and we went into lockdown. I remember delivering out buddy boxes, which were boxes full of like footballs, T-shirts, toys, other resources for children because they couldn't get out to play. And our coaches had come up with this brilliant resource where we were sending them training modules and videos online, but they needed the equipment to be able to do them. So we're delivering the boxes out to the families. Now, I'm from Howard Street in Seatill, and that's a disadvantaged community, so I understand what it's like to be from that. But in all honesty, it was a complete eye-opener, some of the streets that we were delivering to. I didn't really think that people still lived like that. And I'm glad I got to see it because being the decision-maker at the foundation, it really changed my opinion on what we should do and what, what we should focus on going forward and, and really understand the levels of poverty, not just having conversations about it, actually seeing it, seeing it in real life. Um, it changed everything and I, I'm very grateful for that experience although it was difficult it's something that I really value and it was a for for me personally it was a period of growth real growth and learning um, and and remembering what it was like when I was little and we were knocking on the doors and sharing food and collecting ginger bottles and to hand them in and using provident checks I remember all that uh, to see that that's still there's versions of that still happening now and it's getting worse and worse for people with the cost of living crisis and the current economic situation we're all in is something that we really focus on now with the strategy going forward. Not to to, to kind of move on from that um, so quickly, but just that when you're talking there about you know kind of tangible action and, and difference that, that people can make, <clears throat> excuse me, not necessarily just over the next, you know, kind of four or five days with it, it being Christmas, but but over the next we will. Are there two or three things that you know people that are listening to this that are interested to to know more about what you're doing and interested and in, you know keen to help how they can? Are there two or three things that people could get really involved in or could provide or or could could give of of themselves that they would really make a difference? Are there, are there priorities that people could get involved in? And definitely. I mean, obviously, we're very, very fortunate. And every year, as soon as we put a call to action out to see we need volunteers for Christmas Day, we are literally overwhelmed. Like, our fans are amazing. Absolutely amazing. Last year, on Christmas Day, over 75 fans turned up at the stadium. And we did the team talk. So definitely, people can, can get involved in Festive Friends on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day... Kate Cooper and I will be at the stadium for about seven in the morning. Not many people know that Kate's background is actually in catering. So Kate and the team help cook all the meals. That's how, that's how involved the women's team are in what we do. She's the manager of the women's team and on Christmas Day she'll be with me all day. Having, spoken, all the meals. To, 
having spoken to it was the two of us that spoke to to Kate, I can you could tell me literally anything right. that she was up doing in eighteen yeah. hours on a working day, and I would believe absolutely every word of it. I don't I don't know that I've ever spoken to anyone who's as committed to what they do in my entire life. She's very she's very dedicated. She is a great friend, and we work very closely with the women's team. They're a, a fantastic group of young women and great role models for our young fans. And um, so we've got the stadium from seven. Ovens will be on. Um, all the turkeys will be getting prepared. We're picking all the food up tomorrow, actually. So that'll be interesting. It's mental when you start to lay out the turkeys. See, when you actually <laughs> see them all, honestly, you get this little fear in your tummy. You go, oh, wait a wee minute. I've forgotten how many people we're delivering to until I saw this in real life. So, yeah, that's interesting. And then my team will start to arrive about eight. Help me set up and change the area in 1877. And then the volunteers will, will arrive at 11. And from 11.30, we do the team talk, um, which is, this is exactly what's going to happen to, in the day. These are the two teams, the Cajun teams and the Westmark, the delivery teams in 1877. This is how the day will flow. This is what you need to do and be mindful of because we'll be delivering the delicious hot Christmas dinner, a food hamper and a gift to every person that's been referred over. So that's obviously predominantly elderly people who are lonely and isolated without families but more so now families who are in crisis or struggling financially. And most of those families have been referred over by schools. Um, so it's, it's a very different landscape now. So all of them will be delivered between 12 and normally two, three o'clock. And it sounds like that's not possible when the scale is between three and 500 homes. But it is possible because of the amount of fans that turn up. Um, and then obviously you have to, after doing all that amazing work, and it is amazing, um, I ask them as well to spend a lot more time when they're delivering. I always try to get the volunteers to understand that it's not a case of you knock on the door and you go Merry Christmas and hand it over and you leave and go back to the next person. It's about actually really looking at the individuals you're delivering to and asking them, are they okay? Do they need help with anything else? Like, was Mrs Smith confused? Did, did it seem cold in her house? Did she have a carpet to shove food? Did it look like she would benefit from a carer? Is there any other help that we can give her? All of the volunteers are coached on that. And so if they do identify there are some key issues, and last year there actually were, some people had fallen and were actually stuck in, in a mobile and waiting on them. And so it was the volunteers that phoned ambulances and dealt with it. Um, so they really back any information they find out. And then obviously we work to action and support that with partners. And then later on in the day, they all have to agree to do a follow-up call. So, hi, it's Gail that delivered to you earlier on. What was in your what was your gift? Did you eat your dinner? Was it nice? What you watched on the telly? So it's just a check-in. And then they also check in again on New Year's Day and wish them a happy new year. So that's like the big part of the day. And then when everyone's back at the stadium, we obviously do the post-team talk and the clear down because the game's on the 27th. So everything has to be just so for the game. And then we have the Festive Buddies Tea Party, which people are more than welcome to go, get involved in as well. And that's brilliant. And that is when we put, bring people in for more of a, a fun event. Um, and we have live music and entertainment. And some of the legends will be at the clubs coming and say hello and they get something to eat and we sing and have a dance and play games. And that's between 1 and 3.30. So there's a lot going on. And of course, we appreciate as much help and support we can. And then in the new year, really kicking off the initiatives that come back, I always just ask the fans to help raise awareness on what we do because it's a very challenging time. Like, although the festive period for many people is a time of joy and a time of 
relaxation and spending time with your loved ones. That is not the case for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, if particularly if they are without families or they are socially isolated or they are under financial strain, it just adds pressure and pressure and pressure. It's a time they feel more lonely and isolated. So having our fans share information on the services and initiatives that we provide is crucial, particularly if it comes to mental health support or support around food poverty or helping support around financial advice. Um, I always just ask that the biggest thing that I can ask of the fans and the biggest thing that the, the fans can do for the foundation is to share what we do so that more people that really need the help get access to the help. To, to talk about it as well, I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you saw the, the advert that Norwich City had put out around Mental Awareness Day. Um, yeah. And I, I guess more people having an awareness of what you can do and how you can help and then being comfortable talking to their pals about that yeah. and to try and signpost that kind of thing. I suppose that could make a big non-financial difference. That's a way for people to give without having to donate. Exactly. Yeah, I think, and I, I always say what we really need to help with more is having people locally talk on camera and say, I went to this and this is how it changed my life and to be brave. So we've got this brave space where people can feel they can say anything. That is massive. It's huge. And that's the type of thing that for someone who who is in a dark place or who may be struggling with whatever their challenges are, if they see someone talking about that, then that might be the catalyst for them to go, do you know what? I'm going to sign up for Changing Room. I think that's going to help me. I think that program will help me. Or actually, I'm falling apart and it's because I'm going through the menopause. I'm not getting the support. I mean, well, did you know we've got this? Or we don't have enough money for food. Okay get in touch and, and that's all right. So if we've got fans talking about those things openly, then other fans are going to see that or they're going to say, no, actually, I didn't know that you did that programme, but I've got a neighbour, I know somebody that's really struggling, a family that is or that would benefit from that. I'm going to have a quiet chat with them and maybe ask them if they'd like to get in touch. Um, and that's more important than anything else, raising awareness of what we do and giving good people the support that they need in whatever way it is we can. I think... Um... Yeah, mental health in, in particular is something that, that I'd be really keen to to talk about further as well. I've, I've had an idea in my head for, for quite a long time about having a, a kind of chat where I try and get, you know, one of us because talking is the kind of thing that we do. But, um, you know, maybe maybe yourself, ideally maybe a couple of people from the club, getting people kind of round a, you know, round a, I'm going to say round a table, but on Zoom. But, and just have a kind of chat about what facilities are available, what, supports there how the role that football plays and that I know myself um kind of mild end of the spectrum but from kind of working through anxiety and other things to having the football to talk about has been massive I mean both me and Sam joined the this podcast during lockdown it started beforehand and me and Sam get yeah. drafted in once uh, lockdown had, had started and, and just having five people I didn't know before to talk to about the football on a weekly basis was a was a massive That's thing tough. football uh, football quite passively I think has this incredible role to play and kind of get on top of that stuff so we don't need to maybe don't need to lose uh, time on it just now but um, I think we'd be really keen to have a, another longer chat in future as well about that kind of thing and, and maybe draw some some attention to it and, and flag some stuff up for people that might need it. I'm very keen for that and, and obviously the power of football and we talk about this so many times football stadiums have become like 
people's churches you know they're like the place of worship the place of escape the place of community and connection the place of safety that's what's so special about the football charities the, the having the stadiums as an engagement tool is so powerful for us because if someone is struggling with their mental health and they're coming into changing room they're walking into a football club and nobody knows that's why they're walking in there's no stigma it's a safe place that they already find engaging. They're really comfortable with. It's familiar. They are connected. And there's no judgment. And that's the same for someone that wants something to eat. So they'll come along to Buddy Big Scrum on Monday night. Actually, and I, I, it's something that I, I do a lot of talks on this. I'm very, very comfortable talking about really uncomfortable things and being very honest about vulnerability. And this past six months has been the hardest six months in my personal life and probably the biggest test for me on an emotional level. And I've spoken about this in a lot of groups at the foundation and it had such a huge impact and I'm so glad I did because the amount of people that have come forward since I've openly been saying I'm actually struggling in myself just now, I'm going through something personally and it's been a real challenge, but I'm very grateful to have the foundation because the work that we do and the people I get to deal with every day is a a fabulous distraction and it reminds me of so many things to be grateful of so many people have come back and said if you hadn't said that I wouldn't have stuck with this but the very fact that you were you just said honestly this is how I'm feeling and that's okay but I'm still getting out of bed every morning and I'm still doing this and I'm still here with you and and why is that and it is because of the power of football it is a special thing sometimes you can forget when you're in the fog or you're in the trenches you're dealing with so many things but I think we're all very fortunate because of what we do that we do keep that in mind. Um, and when people are sceptical about that and whatever, whether it's in council or whether it's in government office or whether they really need re-educated on it. And I think now people are starting to see the power of sport. For me, sport and music are the two universal languages. But for sure in our communities and disadvantaged communities in Scotland, football is the most powerful one. Absolutely. Well, um, when when we release this, I, I think we'll, as I said, we'll we'll get this out as, as quickly as we can. So, so probably first thing tomorrow morning, we'll include a you know a, a big blast of of all the links that, that people need to to social media and, and everything else. Is there anything in, in particular that or any particular message you would like people to get in touch with you between now and and Christmas or between now and New Year or, or over the next kind of month or so? Or would you say just get in touch? Just you know, go and read what services are available and if you think you can help or you think you could benefit to to follow that up. Yeah, I think anyway people are able to get in touch, whether it's through social media, whether it's by contacting us in the email, which is foundation at submitting.com, whatever way they feel comfortable. I mean, I'm at the club every day and so is the team and oftentimes people will just walk in and say, I just thought, that's all right. Like, you're never going to get out what you're doing just rocking up. Attitude, that's not going to happen. Um, and, and it happens every day. Every day someone will just come up to the club, I, I was just like, that's not a problem. There's, we've got time. They'll always have time. So whatever way people are comfortable with, that's okay with me. Um, and I think what I would ask the fans to do is keep their eyes open for all of the great things that are going to happen, particularly on Christmas Day, because I really want to showcase the amazing people that turn up for us on Christmas Day. The fans are just the best part of it. Obviously, it's so, so rewarding getting to help people and, and and see their lives change for that that day and not be lonely and feel connected and see their faces light up and have a real conversation with them and really connect. That is very special. 
But actually watching the impact that has on the fans that volunteer is also one of the most special things for me. Because it's when they come back and you can see they've been affected by someone or something. That's what it's all about. That's what makes us all buddies. That's what the connection is about. So, yeah, I would say keep their eyes open on social media for everything we're doing and get in touch in any way they, they would, way they can if they want to help, but, but also get in touch in any way they can if they need help. It's exactly the same. Thanks so much for, for giving us a, a bit of time, Gail. We really appreciate Aye. it. I, I don't know that there's anything that we could talk about as important as this um, when it comes to, to someone that's as important as what's on the pitch. So this is a, this has been a very valuable half hour to spend in your company. So thank you for that. Aye, thank yeah, you very much, Gail. I've loved it. Thank you so much, guys. And really in the new year, it would, be, it would mean a lot to me if we could have a little session where we're talking about when we're getting some of the fans that take part in the programmes to chat to you guys along with us sure. because I think that will have a massive impact just as we've said on people who may be struggling with their mental actually hearing it from a fan that's taking part in a programme and will actively encourage them to reach out and let them know they're not alone so thanks so much and I hope you have a brilliant Christmas whatever you're doing if you feel like you coming too. down to the stadium and having a wee party putting a jumper on you're more than welcome there's plenty of goodies on display if I, if I could tear myself away from the carnage that is going to be in the two Christmas uh, celebrations I'm going to have to be between in Paisley and Irvine, then I definitely would. But I don't think I've got a spare 30 seconds in the way it works out. But... I don't even know what I'm doing on Christmas Day yet. So I, I think you'll be down with us. I've got a feeling, Sam, that you'll yeah, just navigate automatically to the stadium. Yeah, well, it does. Like... They, they drive past, so never know. Yay! And you know, see when people drive past oftentimes they do the whole I'll be sitting in my office and going, there's another fan passing, beeping away. It's great. We get loads of that on Christmas Day. And also we have like fans or musicians that just come to entertain us. It's brilliant. It's actually brilliant. It's a very special like the atmosphere is really what Christmas is all about, which is just giving. Not for any reward, not for ego, not for just really giving. And, and feeling that community warmth and that community love and that, that social connection, it's, it's so special. That's what it's all about, right? Totally. So thanks again, Gail, as uh, as mentioned. Once uh, once this is posted, we'll share it in all the usual places. Along the, the bottom of that, there'll be some links for you to, to go and follow. But as Gail said, um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not hard to find a way to contact them. You can rock up at the stadium if you want. And uh, if you want to help or you need help, then it's it's certainly there for you. But uh, yeah, have a wonderful Christmas, game, and uh, we'll hopefully speak very soon. You too, guys. Thanks so much for your time. It's lovely chatting. Take care. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.